0: Hello everybody and welcome back to episode fourteen of Walking Down the Warwick Road. I'm Tim, joined as always by my co-host Pete Molyneux, and resident guests Roger Gardner and Roy Kavanaugh. It's always a good day, I think, when we're talking United. How's everybody doing?
1: Pretty yeah. good, thank you. Yeah. yeah, I'm great. Thank
0: you. No problem. Well, today we're here to talk about United's great goalkeepers post war nineteen forty-five to twenty twenty-two. You know, we put out a tweet the other day. We wanted people to get involved and let us know who their great goalkeepers were. Who was it that really did it for them? You know, we're going to have our own parameters by which we gauge it by on this episode. But make sure you get in the comments and let us know who your memorable keepers were
2: and why. Peter, I'll come to you and set it up for us. Why this topic? Well, this is under our players category. And often we we thought that the goal scorers, people have the most appearances get... A lot of coverage uh, when we're looking at our history. Goalkeeping is a very specific area. So we thought, let's focus on the goalkeepers we've had down the years at United. I don't think we've been blessed with dozens of great goalkeepers, but in recent times, we've certainly had some of the best. So we've all picked two each. We're going to put our case for each of those, and then at the end, we'll try and get a 3 two, one
0: So we've taken, like you said, Pete, we've chosen eight to each. We hope we've done our due diligence and picking out the ones that we think should be highlighted. Where are we going to start? Well, we're going to come to Roger first. And Roger, take it away with your first pick.
3: I actually went for Gary or Bailey, first. who was goalkeeper from 1978 to 1987. He's actually got a great record of clean sheets. I know Ron Atkinson is, is probably most famous for attacking football, but he's actually pretty decent at the back. But Bailey didn't have the best relationship, I seem to remember, with Gordon McQueen at times, but he still got away with a decent number of clean sheets. He came to United following a trial in 1978. He was actually uh, born in England, but grew up in South Africa. And his dad was a famous goalkeeper for uh, Ipswich Town, the only team to have won the second division and the first division in the next season. And when Bailey was looking to uh, further his career, he tipped his dad up for some advice. And his dad rang Dave Sexton and got Gary a trial. Now, this was quite fortuitous, really, because United were trying to sign Jim Blythe, who was the Coventry City goalkeeper, for about £450,000. And if that deal had gone through, then Blythe would have been the most expensive goalkeeper Mm -hmm. in the world, believe it or not. But he failed a medical and uh, Gary Bailey got his opportunity. He was very regular under Sexton and Ron Mm -hmm. Atkinson, barely missing a game. He came to United in 78 and literally stayed in the team for the whole of the rest of that season, all the way through to 1979 when United got to the final and lost to Arsenal. But I think Gary was at fault for the third goal. His positioning from time to time was a bit dodgy. Although he did make up for it what would have been four years later when Gordon Smith was running through for Brighton in in the last minute of the 83 final, when you would have thought it would have been easier to score than miss. So actually, United wouldn't have won the FA Cup in 1983 were it not for uh, Gary Bailey. And from there, he won the FA Cup in 1985. And following that, uh, in the start of the next season, when United won the first 10 games of the season, Bailey was present in in every single one of those games. So for me, I like him because he was a childhood hero. He was a great shot stopper. I would like to have seen him play more for England. He did play twice, uh, making his debut in 1985. But it was pretty difficult in those days to knock Peter Shilton off that team sheet for Bobby Robson. And in fact, he did go to the Mexico World Cup in 1986, where I say he got an injury. But, But I think he was a great keeper for United.
0: Right, let's take a brief uh, look, a little clip here of Gary Bailey.
3: Ardiles. In for John Pratt. Oh, tipped away.
2: Superbly. And Regis lets the shot go.
3: And what a save by
0: Bailey. Tremendous keeper. Thank <coughs> you, Roger. Come to Roy. And Roy, your first keeper.
1: Yeah, Reg Allen was a, a very, very fine goalkeeper. He actually cost the then-world record for a goalkeeper in 1950 of £11,000 when we signed him from QPR. That record, of course, got beat later on when discussion comes with Harry Gregg. But he was the vital link, actually, in the winning of the 1952 title. There was lots of opinions that from 46-7, when football came back after the Second World War, United actually had four runners up spots in the first five seasons. I wouldn't say all the blame was put at Jack Crompton's door, but it was a feeling that in certain games, you know, a really top class goalkeeper might have just made that difference. Although Jack Crompton, in fairness, was a tremendous, tremendous servant. To Manchester United and, and helped win them the 1948 Cup final. So he, he also was a very complex man, uh, was, was Reg Allen. He'd been captured in World War II by the Germans and actually was transferred from East Africa, where he got caught, to a prisoner of war camp in Poland. And he, he, he was a commando in the war. He suffered badly in the PO war camp, and those memories and, and that were always with him, as I vividly remember when my late father who'd been uh, in similar circumstances but with the Japanese for for three or four years. But he was in his 30s when he actually signed for United. But he was that missing link and he did help them win the first division title. There's no doubt about that. In many ways, a complete goalkeeper, a very fine shot stopper, commanding in the air, not afraid uh, to let his team know what, what what he wanted them to do. But also, he fitted in really well with the team but after his second season, he wasn't available at the start, you know that he had serious health issues and it came to one pivotal match which was the beginning of October 1952, United were playing away at Wolverhampton Wanderers. Now I've had two stories about this game, I was only five at the time so I wasn't around to, to watch the game, but Jackie Blanchflower I got to know quite well Jackie was the travelling 12th man for that game uh, in 1952 at Molyneux, and And Jackie vividly remembered that United went 2-0 up against the top Wolves side. And then Wolves came back and equalised 2-2 at half time and at half time Reg came in the dressing room and one or two things were said and suddenly he had really, really personal issues. According to Jackie Blanchflower, he actually stormed out of the dressing room and he kicked Now the newspapers at the time were always friendly with, with footballers and I can't find a newspaper report that says Reg Allen didn't come out for the second half but Jackie Blanchflower assured me he didn't and that Johnny Carey went in goal and United lost the match 6-2 and Reg Allen never played another game in senior football, a bit for Alteringham but recently I met a guy called Derek Digger Gardner who's a real character in his own right well in his 80s and Derek's got a great memory he actually was at the game at Wolverhampton he was also at the, the famous 1957 um, Arsenal match but Digger I asked him I said you were there oh yeah I was there he said oh I couldn't believe it he said Johnny Hancock's equalised he said and uh, Reg was stood on the goalpost and ne- <laughs> never made an attempt to save the ball and we're all wondering what's happened Right, so I said, "All oh, right, what happened second half, Digger? Did, uh, did Reg Allen come out?" He said, "I oh, can't remember that," <laughs> which uh, you know leaves this um, hypothetically in the air, so to speak. But that was the end of him uh, as a professional football. United actually took a team to QPR and played a testimonial in 1954. But Reg Allen was a vital player for Manchester United when we won the title. You know, deserves credit.
0: Thanks for that, Roy. Right. <laughs> We'll move on to one of my, one of my choices and a player who, you know, when, especially when we first started getting the games regularly here in in Canada, just a colossus between the posts, um, someone that I sort of grew up on, Peter Schmeichel and keeper that was in in that first trip to Old Trafford went to the, the the 1991 UEFA cup uh, was really his coming out party where he kept seven clean sheets with Bromby and came out of that competition as a, a highly rated keeper was ranked sort of top 10 in the world. And it was after that competition that uh, United went in for him. Fergie actually called him his uh, bargain by the century in 2002. You know, that trademark sort of jump star save. He was such a big individual. He just, he took up so much of the goal, such a a commanding presence, commanded his box. He wasn't afraid to give it to his defenders when warranted. And I think his sort of his trademark, you know, the season that I look to is the 92, 93 season when we won our first league title in 26 years and and Schmeichel kept 22 clean sheets that season. So it was just a tremendous impact on the squad and obviously would go on to win the European Cup for us. Part of the trouble side, of course, but that sort of trademark save, which apparently he learned from playing handball.
1: Saunders with that instinctive
3: effort, and what a goal that would have been, and a
1: great save. Lost again, and a good one, and on it down, a wonderful save by Schmeichel.
3: You won't find a better save anywhere than that. It was
2: past him, and he got it away. Two international greats here, and a decisive moment in an FA Cup semi-final replay. Bergkamp and Schmeichel. And Schmeichel has saved it!
0: So, again, uh, Peter Schmeichel on that. I remember that, uh, the save on, on Bergkamp, that was probably the, mm-hmm. maybe the highlight of, of Schmeichel for me because that kept the trouble alive. Uh, Phil Neville, I think, thought that his United career was <laughs> ending that day after he
3: brought down Reid Parler in the box and
0: Schmeichel bailed him out. Yeah, just like I said, a, a colossus uh, of, an, of an individual.
3: I was just going to say on, on Peter Schmeichel before we leave him, I don't know whether you know, the yeah, only please. penalty he actually saved for United... Um, was that Burkham penalty did you know that I did not know that was it really no oh, I, didn't uh, know that. So I can see myself sat in the stand to this day mm. <laughs> up, literally to see the ball rebounding off his thigh
0: yeah and, and I still like I still like afterwards with the, I think it was Beckham and Giggs running up to hug him and he's sort of ushering them up the pitch saying get, get forward get forward
3: yeah. yeah I mean you know he put himself through quite a lot of pain in that game as well he, he was heavily strapped up you know, a bit like Gary Bailey and that, that Gordon Smith save. You know, yeah. the, the treble would not have happened uh, were it not for, for Peter Schmeichel.
2: Pete, over to you for Harry Gregg or your first choice. Yeah, Harry Gregg. Um, just on the Schmeichel one, Tim, uh, some good clips yeah, there. Of course, please. that Bergkamp one was in the very last minute of normal time. Yeah, mm, the it was. Safe. So yeah. there's no doubt if he would have scored that, the treble would have been finished. And I think mm, what yeah. sometimes gets forgotten about, we think of Saltchard and Sheringham when we won the European Cup in 99 in the last minute. Schmeichel was causing all sorts of havoc by going up for the corner. So Harry Gregg, wow. Given that uh, Harry Gregg played such a long time ago, he won't be a stranger to even younger United supporters because of the, the legend that's attached to him. But um, Harry Gregg signed for United in mid-December 1957, again for a goalkeeping world record fee uh, but of just 23,500. Town's nothing nowadays, but it beat the Red Allen fee as, uh, as Roy alluded to. And he was 25 years old when United signed him. He played for five years for Division II side Doncaster Rovers. Now, at that time when he was signed, the Busby Bays had won back-to-back titles in 55-56, 56-57, with Ray Wood as the main keeper. It started well in 57-58 and stayed in the top three all autumn, and had gone through the early rounds of the European Cup. But they were up against a fine Wolves side, and Busby knew this. And they set a demanding pace, Wolves, throughout uh, that autumn. And in late November, United wobbled. Spurs and Chelsea came to Old Trafford and both won. We lost in Prague, although it was second leg and we got through overall. And we drew three-all at Birmingham. And that was in four consecutive games. Busby's reaction was to draft in a few top players who were waiting in the wings. But he also identified that United were shipping too many goals and he swooped for Harry Gregg. Gregg had starred only a few weeks before that in an England-Northern Ireland game, playing for Northern Ireland in a three-all draw. And whether that fits his mind to go for Gregg, we'll, we'll never know. But anyway, he made his debut 21st of December, 57 against Leicester. At home and we won 4-0. Busby's changes worked a treat. In the next 11 games, United won seven and drew four. We scored seven against Bolton and five in that famous away trip to Arsenal in February 1958. And we closed the gap on Wolves and progressed to the fifth round of the Cup and to the semi-final of the European Cup. That 11th game was a away to Red Star Belgrade on the 5th of Feb 58. And Manchester United, there is no doubt had, as a team, had the world at its feet. And of course, we all know what happened next. Flying back from Belgrade, the plane refueled at Munich. They tried to take off three times. There was snow and slush on the runway, and the plane crashed into the buildings around the airport. 23 people killed, including eight players, several more injured, and some players that would never play professional football again. So the the team that had the world at its feet, all of a sudden that world had been turned upside down. Greg would emerge from that incident as a hero, I think, on, on two fronts. First of all, the story that a lot of people know, having initially got out of the airplane and staggered away from it, from a burning, a blazing wreckage, he quickly returned when he heard voices of, of other survivors. And he helped those that he could. He pulled a mother and a baby to safety, and he made others comfortable where he could. And he pulled others by by their Belt straps by their trousers straps to, to safety further away from the blazing wreckage. Otherwise, the uh, the death toll and injury could have been yes. higher. Now that's heroism that goes way beyond football. But in those dreadful dark days after the crash, United clung to any hope of a future, and quite a few players played a key part in it. But I think Harry Gregg and Bill Fouts still suffered from shock for weeks after that crash. Both played um, a match in the net, 13 days later against Sheffield Wednesday with a team of reserve players and news players mainly. But Greg's part in those next few weeks and months and even years can't be understated. He helped guide the team. I think, well, first of all, he helped guide a broken team to the FA Cup final only a couple of months later, sadly to lose to Bolton. He played in every game, almost every game, for the next two, three seasons. Greg was a great shot stopper. And he was also the guy that commanded his own penalty area. Goalkeepers had to look after themselves in those days. They didn't get anything like the protection that goalkeepers uh, have come to get in the last 40 years. He was big, he was strong, he was particularly brave, often hurling himself at the feet of onrushing forwards to grab the ball. But from the early 60s, he got injuries to his upper body, particularly shoulders and his arms. In the four seasons from 61 to 65, he only made 68 appearances. He'd have made many more but for his injuries. He missed out in 1963, the FA Cup final we won against Leicester. He was injured. He did have a resurgence in 65 66, playing 38 matches in a side that finished fourth and reached the semi finals of the FA Cup and the semi finals of the European Cup. Greg played in that never to be forgotten 5 1 win in Benfica in the Stadium of Light in March 66. But he was 34 by then, and Busby knew he needed to buy another world record keeper, and that would be Stepney. So Harry Gregg's time at United came to an end. He played 247 times for the club. He kept 44 clean sheets, about one every five games. Other goalkeepers for us have had better records. But if you think how Busby was rebuilding that team from 58 to 63 and 64, he wasn't playing with some of the best defenders that we've ever had. So uh, it's still a pretty impressive record. So he remains a hero to this day for his bravery on and off the pitch. He was awarded the MBE in 95 and the OBE in 2019 and sadly passed away during the pandemic on the 16th of Feb 2020. When fans were allowed back in the ground uh, after the uh, COVID restrictions, he was given a tremendous uh, uh, round of applause and a couple of minutes silence and applause and a huge banner went round the Stratford end. Um, Greg won't be forgotten for his performances for United and the role he played uh, as a hero at the crash and in those days, weeks and months after.
1: No,
0: and all the clips you watch of Harry Gregg, I always find it amazing. Just absolutely no fear. He was taking out, it didn't matter if it was his players or the opposition players in his <laughs> box. <laughs> he, was, he was going through them. But that's a tremendous tribute, Peter. Not just a keeper legend, an absolute United legend. So back to Roger for his second choice.
3: I drew as my next choice Edwin van der Sar. And quite fittingly, I always thought he was a really intelligent guy. I always think Dutch footballers are intelligent. He organised well from the back for me, Van der Sar. The other thing I would say is obviously once we get into the glory days of United, I suppose goalkeepers, you know, benefited from from having a really good back four in front of them. And, you know, who wouldn't want Vidic, Ferdinand and Patrice Evra in front of them? But Sir Alex Ferguson said that uh, van der Sar was United's best goalkeeper since Peter Schmeichel, And there probably isn't a better accolade than that. He actually went from Ajax to Juventus, where he actually only won the Intertoto Cup. So he didn't have a great time in Italy, but they were keen to sign Buffon for a world record fee of a billion lira, which actually isn't all that much. It's only 32 million quid. But there was no way that van der Sar was going to play second fiddle in Juventus's team. So he went to Fulham. Not only did I see Peter Michael's debut, I saw Van der Sar's debut for Fulham, uh, which was at Old Trafford, believe it or not, in a 3-2 win for United, where Ruud van Nistelrooy was in the United lineup for the first time. Van der Sar wasn't great, believe it or not, at saving penalties. Probably his most famous moment for United was saving that Nicolas Anelka penalty in the 2008 right. final, when all really did start to look lost when John Terry stepped up. He'd actually won the Champions League for Ajax as well. So he's twice a Champions League winner himself. And when he signed for United, it was only for £2 million, believe it or not. You know, We've talked about world record fees for goalkeepers already in this programme. We talked about United's bargain buys in previous podcasts. But actually, when you look at how many games as a 35-year-old he played, I think £2 million for, for Edwin van der Sar yeah. really does put him right up there um, in the bargain Mm. buys. I don't know whether you guys agree with that.
1: Excellent, very much so, yeah. Yeah, Tremendous business.
3: So uh, he was at United from the age of 35 to uh, to 41. Unfortunately, his last two Champions League finals uh, for United were those defeats uh, to Barcelona. But he holds the record actually as the oldest goalkeeper to play in a Champions League final at the age of 40, which I think is an incredible achievement. I mean, it's also, I guess, a statement about medical science and how. We can keep footballers going these days, but I think that the record that I most like that belongs to Edwin van der Sar. He went thirteen hundred minutes in two thousand and nine without conceding a goal. You know, that's just a complete lockdown. He's worth remembering for that. I mean, he won four titles when United just just rolled out. Uh, you know, Premier League after Premier League. His last game for United in 2011 was that defeat to Barcelona, but he did go out as a champion when United beat uh, Blackpool in the final game of the season at Old Trafford. So for me, a, a great goalkeeper, very much in the presence of uh, Peter Michael, a great shot stopper, and I'll always thank him for saving Nicholas and Elf his penalty, I think. Wilshere, Deval, Nwamba! Oh! Magnificent save by Van der Sar might be even better than the last one. Davis,
1: decent class <laughs> Keele! What a save by Van der Sar.
2: That's what? why they called him. Anelka. Van oh, wow. der Sar saved it. United again.
0: And there was that yeah. save that you touched on. <laughs> yeah. That's the great thing about making these clips is you get to watch these moments all over again. So obviously the the, the keynote in Van der Sar's reign, but tremendous like like you touched on, Roger, just very commanding presence, much like Peter Schmeichel at the back, and and tremendous back four in front of him, like you touched on, tremendous shot stopper for sure. On to the next one, and we're coming back to Roy for this one and his second choice. And Roy, I know somebody that you've said is one of your true United heroes. Tell us where we're going next.
1: Well, we're going with Ray Wood, who was my first hero at United. You've got to actually perhaps remember the, the scene. Ray came to United in 1949 as an 18-year-old. And he cost £6,000 then, which for an 18-year-old, who would only played 12 games for Darlington. Uh, it was a gamble. And he made his debut very quickly against his own Boyle Club, which was Newcastle United, at Old Trafford. What stalled his career at United was the signing of uh, Reg Allen, who we discussed before, because Reg came in 1950 and was the first choice for two years. But I think you need to picture the scene of the times and why someone like Ray became my hero. In those days, food rationing was in place until 1954. And certainly... You're only nine, ten years after the uh, Second World War. uh, And the place wasn't a bed of roses, I can assure you. So when you went to Old Trafford, it became the theatre of colour as well as dreams. Because you actually were going to a place which had a green pitch, which stood out. Because I can assure you where I lived in Salford, you didn't see much greenery. And then, of course, you had the opposition United had the red shirts, but all the opposition in the different coloured shirts, the blues, the stripes. Leeds had a a blue and yellow, amber-gold colour. Wolverhampton were their um, all-goal. But of course, all the teams had a goalkeeper, and the goalkeeper had a different shirt on to the other 10 players. And In Ray's case, it was a green one. Some goalies wore blue, some even wore white. But Ray stood out to me then because I'm thinking, wow, he's different to the other 10. He's got a different shirt on. And I, I love watching uh, Ray Wood. Um, as I say, he came to us from Garlington. He was regular from 1953 until, as Pete mentioned before, about Harry Gregg signing up till December 1957, when Harry came as a record at 23,000 or so. Ray won the, um, an original Busby Babe. He actually was the first player of the, the historic Busby Babes lineup, which was Wood, Folksburn, Coleman, Jones, Edwards, Barry, and Taylor, Violent, Pegg. Uh, and there were other great players around that, Jackie Blanchflower for one. But Ray was the first one of that team to actually make his debut, which was in 1949. Won two league championships, played in the first 12 European Cup ties that United appeared in, and, and was made of the match at Dortmund when we were with a very tenuous 3-2 first leg lead, and he had a brilliant game in Germany when we drew 0-0. Played for England for three times, and many would have thought should have played a lot more. Then we got to the 1957 FA Cup final. Goalies, and I think it's Pete and Roger, were mentioning about the like of Harry Gregg who commanded areas. Uh, well, Ray didn't necessarily command his area. He was a great, great showstopper and perhaps was a line goalkeeper. But when the ball came back to him, goalies could bounce the ball and, you know, move the full 18 yards. And Ray did have a bit of a reputation of knocking forwards out of the way. Um, But in the 1957 Cup final, after six minutes, he got knocked out of the way. And anyone who's seen coverage of it, it's a real physical attack because he'd saved the header from uh, Peter McParlane and and he's bouncing the ball and he's ready to throw it out. And McParlane has just run 10, 15 yards, he's run... And bang, straight into his cheekbone. And Ray's gone down and um, he's, he's really out of it. And uh, he actually went off for a total of 80 minutes. And Jackie Blanchflower stepped in, admirably, uh, in, in those 80 minutes. In fact, there's a, a really good quiz question there. Um, who is the only outfield player? to play in an FA Cup final with a cap on? And the, the answer is, uh, is Jackie Blanchlaw because he, he had Ray Wood's cap on in those 80 minutes when he, when he was in goal. But I do remember, obviously remember, when I met Matt Busby two or three times. I remember talking to him about the 1957 Cup final. And it was just me and him in his office, Old Trafford. And he said he'd never, on the morning of that match, ever been more certain of United winning a game, and that game would have been winning the double. And in fact, he went round everyone's bedroom, knocked on the door, went in, and checked that every single player hadn't got flu, hadn't got any injuries or anything like that. And he said, I was convinced then we were going to win. Nothing could stop us. And of course, six minutes in, Matt Mm Parlin... Physically attacked Ray Wood and, and that changed everything. He, he even came back, Ray, uh, when Tommy got the goal with about seven minutes to go. They brought Ray back on so that Jackie Blanchla could go back to centre half and Duncan Edwards could move into midfield, but it was to be no avail and we lost 2 1. So then, as Pete mentioned before, ar- around October, November, and certainly December of 57, United suffered two or three, four perhaps uh, strange defeats and Ray was. Was then shocked. He he genuinely was shocked when Matt went out and bought uh, a, a younger version of himself in Harry Gregg, and and Ray then played in the reserves up till the crash. And of course, when you think about the crash, United actually took seventeen players with them to Belgrade for a game where you couldn't play a substitute. So again, with hindsight, you could look back and think, "Wow, you could you can imagine why you'd take a goalkeeper with you. You could imagine why you could take someone like Jackie Blanchflower with you because Jackie played four, five, six, eight, nine, and ten for United, and obviously had played in goal as well. But you think, you know, we took six extra players with us in those days, and Ray really survived the crash, had a few bumps and scratches, but incredibly." he went on and had an, an amazing career after that he played 208 games i think it was for united in total but he went to Uddersfield in the december of 58 uh, signed by bill shankley and he walked into a Huddersfield team managed by shankley with a young Dennis Law in the side and a young Ray Wilson in the side as well. And he stayed at Huddersfield for about five, six years, and in fact played slightly more games for Huddersfield Town than he did for Manchester United. He played 223. Now, Ray probably still is one of my heroes. And I, I've often wondered why I'd never written a book about him, because sadho I am when I write as Pete would say, I write a book a week. And I'm thinking, why am I not write a book about Ray Wood? I've actually started it, by the way. Now it's called Jackie and Ray, and it's about Jackie Blanchflower and Ray Ray Wood. The reason I hadn't done it was the fact that he had such an incredible life after the crash. I mean, incredible. He played 200 odd games for Ruddersfield, He played a season at Bradford City, a season at Barnsley, but then he became a globe-trotting coach. He coached the Los Angeles Wolves. He coached the Cyprus national team for three years. He coached Apoli in Cyprus. He coached the club side in Greece, but didn't like it because there was a lot of match fixing going on. He coached the Kuwait national side. He coached in Kenya. And he coached in the United Arab Emirates. And I managed to get together a lot of information uh, on his ex-career. Ray Wood, he was five foot eleven, five foot eleven and a half. So he wasn't that six foot one, six foot two domineering goalkeeper but he was my hero and he still is my hero and he was a great great player of the first year the, the Busby Bays won the title in 56. I can assure you Tommy Taylor was probably man of the season then but Ray Wood was the second and he'll always be my hero. Ray Wood.
0: You touched on the incident in the 1957 FA Cup
1: And the first sensation, Peter McCarlan shoots straight at Ray Wood, follows up his shot, and their heads collide. Both men are down. But it's obvious that the Manchester goalie is knocked out. Jackie Blanchflower puts on a goalie sweater, and Ray Wood is carried off the field. How badly was he hurt? That was the question.
0: There he was, he carried off. He did look in a very poorly way from that... uh...
1: You saw the, the ground that Matt Parland ran yeah. across to actually hit him. You know? Incredible. Even the
3: Birmingham <laughs> Mail at the time were appalled by the challenge of McParland
1: and and actually called for substitutes to be allowed. Yeah. It, was, it was a shocking attack. And as I say, Sir Matt you know, was absolutely convinced his team was going to become the first side of the 20th century to win the double. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was nothing to stop him. And I think he was probably right. Well, he was, Peter Matt Powell.
2: I think I'm the link to you doing your second one, Tim. Our
0: present-day United hero keeper, David De Gea.
2: So just tremendous, 478
0: appearances. I believe earlier in the season, he moved into uh, 13th place on United's all-time appearance list. 2011 to present, so uh, sort of piggybacking off you know, Rodgers look back at Van der Sar, who was retiring and a replacement was needed after the 2010-11 season. And United began their keeper search and it took them to Spain and to Atletico Madrid. Folklore, I believe, is that Fergie has missed three games as United manager. One is for a wedding, one's for a funeral, and the third one was to scout. David De Gea, a good young keeper, making his strides in the Spanish under-21 side as well. Hailed as a tremendous shot stopper. When he came into United in that first season, I think that the one thing that everyone could see was that he, he is a slight fellow. He's got a slight frame. And that maybe he was just, you know, a little bit, uh, he was getting bullied a little bit in the air, certainly when, you know, off crosses and free kicks and whatnot, you know, a bit of a shaky start maybe to his United career, but you know, as he got stronger, he grew from strength to strength certainly criticism from pundits for not being strong enough. You could see him start to bulk up in his second season, sort of after that first season and the mistakes that took place, things started to improve for him, certainly. And in fact, after the 2014, 2015 season, he was shortlisted for the PFA's player of the year and the PFA's young player of the year. Of course, August 31st, 2015 came the infamous over here. I guess the, the Americans have Watergate. This would be fax machine gate. If you want to call it that with Real Madrid, where the transfer that didn't go through because of uh, a fax that arrived late. And then 11 days later, he would go on to sign the new four year deal. This is September 11th, you know, just a tremendous shot stopper. He had another wobble a couple seasons ago, but he's rebounded. And certainly I thought under Van Hal, he was, he was terrific. He's bailed us out on so many occasions with so many terrific, terrific saves. He seems to pick things out that you know other keepers wouldn't get near, and he sort of he's got that sort of trademark save with his feet as well, doesn't he? Where he you know he he tends to use his feet a lot, the ice hockey style save where he's you know he's kicking his leg out to make a stop. So just a, a good keeper, you know, but certainly been a stalwart in what's been some challenging United sides over the years, um, and has certainly been our Player of the Year. On more than one occasion and then kept us in a lot of games. David De Gea, I don't know if you have, fellas, have any thoughts you want to share on De Gea?
2: I was just going to say he was the first United goalkeeper to win player of the year. And he still is the only goalkeeper to win player of the year. And he's won it four times. Mm. So we've yeah. been voting on that since 1988. There's been 30 odd mm. years of it. That's been in current times. I, I think, I think as difficult as it has been since Sir Alex retired, in terms of us coming to term with uh, another dynasty going and a dip in our uh, winning trophies, it would have mm. been a lot worse without David De Gea.
1: I was just going to say the same. If David De Gea uh, was our only problem, that would be a great move forward for us because um, he's certainly not our problem. Well,
0: we're on to our final keeper before each of our panellists here selecting their own personal top three. And Pete, you're going to finish it off for us with with a, another player that was with us from 1967 to 78. Where where are we headed next?
2: Yeah, well, this is the goalkeeper I I, I grew up watching. I, I saw a few before this fella, but this guy came in and uh, was probably the missing piece of Busby's jigsaw in the 60s. And that's the goalkeeper, Alex Stepney. He joined United mid-September 1966, he was 23 then, he was the England under-23 goalkeeper. In the first eight games of 66-67, United won four and lost four. But we shipped 19 goals in those eight matches, including a 5-1 defeat in the League Cup to Lowly Blackpool. That Blackpool defeat was the third defeat in in eight days. Greg was coming to the end of his time, he'd been tried. Young Gaskell, who'd been in and out for seven years or so, was tried probably longer than seven years. And, and a guy called Pat Dunn had come in and had one great season in 64, 65. Jimmy Rimmer was coming through the youth team but wasn't ready yet, he was too young. Busby knew he needed uh, a new keeper, like, like he knew he'd needed Greg in 57 and probably Alan in 1950. Busby was desperate at this stage, uh, having lost to Partizan Belgrade in the '66 European Cup semi-final to have another go at the European Cup at winning it. And remember, in those days, only the champions of the country went into the European Cup the following season, plus the winners. So you had to win the league. Top four was no no good. So he didn't want to lose any ground, Samat. And he had his eye on on Alex Stepney. It's quite funny how we got it. He played football for Tooting and Mitcham as an amateur. He went to Millwall and made his a bit of a name there. And then Tommy Dock, who was manager at Chelsea, snapped him up because he had a bit of a row. Uh, With his goalkeeper's first choice, Peter Bonetti. And he signed Alex Stepney, thinking that he'd move Bonetti on. Anyway, Bonetti stayed and he was left with two very good young goalkeepers. As Tommy always did in a difficult situation, he joked to the press that he'd play Mm -hmm. them alternate weeks. And he tried that at the start of 66-67. Well, of course, that was never going to work. Neither party would be happy. It'd be like cutting the baby in half. So was be moved in and signed <laughs> in for a record fee of55,000. And it'd be United's keeper for the next 12 years after that. De Gea might beat his longevity as a goalkeeper, but Alex Stepney is the longest-serving goalkeeper we had. He played for 12 years, and he played Mm -hmm. in most of those games in that 12 years. Mm -hmm. He made Mm -hmm. 539 appearances, which ranks him as seventh in United's all-time players' Mm -hmm. appearance table. Not just goalies, seventh of all time. So quite a considerable time between the sticks. Nobody else has played that many games for United. He won the league title in that first season. He won the European Cup and he won the second division title and he won the FA Cup in 77. So league in 67, European Cup 68, second division title 75 and FA Cup in 77. He played under five different managers. Not many players play under five different managers at Old Trafford. De Gea is either playing under his fifth or is about to play under his fifth. But that's Mm. just a little... uh, A little oddity. Busby signed him, and then he played for McGuinness. He played for Busby again, actually. And then he played for O'Farrell, for Doherty, and then for Sexton. He was given his debut right away in a derby match against City, which we won 1-0. In Stepney's first 11 games, funny enough, Greg's first 11 games had a great turnaround. In Stepney's first 11 games, uh, the team won nine, drew one, and lost one. And by the start of December, we're top of the league in sixty six. Sixty-seven season. After Boxing Day, they didn't lose another game in the league and they finished champions for the record seventh time and to go into the European Cup. In the seven league games before Stepney joined that season, we'd let in 14 goals. Forget the five at Blackpool, that was a league cup. Seven league games, let in 14 goals. In the remaining 35 matches we played, we let in 31. So you can work out the, the maths there. Stepney steadied the team, he said steadied, steadied the defence, and he soon became well, instantly, he became a fans' favourite. Every home match, the chant was Stepney for England, and not just a couple of lines of it, it went on for five, ten, fifteen minutes sometimes. That's mm. what the Stretford end did in those days. It was a massive calming effect on the team, and that continued through 67 68 when United became, and i never tired of saying this, the first English team to win the European Cup. It was a stalwart through winning that European Cup, from a sandy pitch, almost a concrete pitch in Malta, through a long trip to Sarajevo and an eight-hour coach trip before they played the game, but we still got through. The next round in Poland, in Katowice, United played in front of 105,000 fans in Poland, in minus 16 conditions, with only a 2-0 lead. And Gornick scored 1-0. Uh, but somehow, that defence managed to hold Poles off, Gornick off, with such support behind him in such dreadful conditions. Stepney played his part in that. You see pictures of him from that game, and it, it's snowing. You can just about make Stepney out in the snow. He played his part in the 3-0 draw in Madrid, and then played a very well in the European Cup final against Benfica in 68. And if anybody picks anything out from that game, we talk about Schmeichel saving that penalty in the last minute in 99 in the semi-final. Mm-hmm. Eusebio got through after Benfica pulled back to one-all in the dying minutes. Eusebio was through. The Eusebio in those days, think Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo in the last five years. He didn't miss those sort of chances. He, he could hit a ball at God knows what speed, but he hit it towards Stepney. Stepney not just stopped it, but he mm-hmm. caught it. Because Eusebio always followed up for the rebound and... It kept United in the game, took it to extra time, and then we scored three in nine minutes in the first nine minutes of extra time, and won the European Cup, which, which was delivered the dream that United fans have been after for for twelve years. Now, what happened then? Of course, nearly won the European Cup again in '69, went out in the mm. semi-final, nearly won the World Club Championship. So we all thought, as fans, we were going to go to the cathedrals of European football grounds for the next few years. Well, we ended up in. Bristol and the Orient and uh, Oldham Athletic because we went down into the second division. What's important here, I think, for Alex Stepney is he stayed with United. He could have gone anywhere to a top club after United went down in 1974, but he stayed. Now, history, we know, tells us we came back up after one season. Nobody knew we'd do that. Sunderland, Villa, many other teams... Top teams have gone into the second tier and sometimes gone down to the third tier. But certainly stayed. And I think he had a, a calming effect then on the young players that Doherty brought in. And we, we got back after after one year. He stayed and fought, helped the young lads. We won the second division. We came storming back out of that second division in 75, 76 and almost won the double. And then in 77, we did go back and win the FA Cup. And Stepney got his his FA Cup winners medal to complete League and European Cup. That was nine years. He bridged the gap between the dynasty that which stopped after Busby, right through to when we started to win a trophy again. From 68 to 77, we didn't win a top trophy, nine years. And Stepney breached it and played a big part in doing that. I love watching Alex Stepney. I would have been at most of those 539 matches. (laughs) I loved him because he was an excellent goalie, but his particular qualities were he was reliable, safe pair of hands, consistent, rarely injured, very loyal to the club, as I say, he stayed when we went down, fans' <clears> favourite, <throat> very professional. He said himself in his book he didn't like spectacular goalies, he didn't like Hollywood saves, he, he didn't like anything flashy, he was just a very safe pair of hands, got the job done. In the late 60s, Jack Crompton wrote a piece about his all-time favourite United team that he'd seen for, for the last 50 years, and he put Stepney as the goalie. And he said he'd have Stepney in as number one for his steadiness and his soundness. And I, I couldn't agree with that more. Sometimes you don't need the spectacular. You just need a guy between the sticks who plays regularly and saves regularly. And Alex Stepney did that. Right. Mark's in the middle.
1: This is, this is you! when he could have won that match to applaud Stepney like that now we'll have a chance McDougal brilliant save now it's all smiles and
3: celebrations Alex Stepney raising his arm. he's got a cup winner's medal at last
0: there was that Eusebio save, Pete, that you were talking about. I mean, that game had just about everything. That was a, a terrific stop. Roger Roy, is there anything you guys want to add?
3: I'd like to say the first two United games I saw, Alex Stepney was in goal. So so that ages me um, somewhat. Um, the first game I saw was the Charity Shield of 77. And then I saw uh, United in the Cup Winners' Cup at uh, Plymouth Place in Etienne and he was in both of those, and very, very difficult not to like a, a player that was a childhood hero like mm, uh, Roy was well,
1: there with, well, uh, with, well, with Wood, really. Alec told a story when he was at Millwall, um, and, and Alec always used to like catching the ball. From the left-hand side, he'd throw it out to the other wing. This side, he'd throw it out. And he said he, he, he got in at half-time, and uh, the centre-forward called Pat Quinn, big, good-looking, Irish guy, airbrushed back. He said, Oi, when you get that ball, you bounce it and you kick it right down the middle to me. And now, after the game, they go in the little player's entrance at the, uh, at the old den and Ray's there in the corner with a mate. And, and Quinn walks in with two blokes. He said... I listened to him after that because he was with the Cray Twins. He said, so, he's walked in with the Cray Twins, him thinking, next time I get in that ball, that's going up the field to back
2: win, I'll tell you. Uh, Tim, there is, there is just two little quickly sidelines. Two of those goalies we've covered are the only yeah. two goalkeepers that have scored a goal for Manchester United. Yeah. Michael scored against the Russians in a UEFA Cup match. Stepney scored two penalties, so he's the highest scoring goalkeeper. Alex Stepney as well. <laughs> In fact, he was
0: our, he was our leading goal scorer that at one point that season. Yeah, until yeah. Christmas.
2: Yeah. I think we knew then we were on our way to the second yeah. division.
0: We're gonna go through each of the panelists here and give our top three. Um, rank our our own personal top three take a vote and we'll figure out who we ranks three two one so those are all the keepers that we covered. We've ranked them clean sheets per game ratio so the amount of clean sheets uh, per appearances that they w- they would have kept on on average Edwin van tops the list but that's not the only parameter that we'll use. obviously everyone has their own personal their own personal thoughts on on keepers and, and what they provided. so Roger, how do you rank? Of the eight that we talked about, how do you rank 3-2-1?
3: Uh, oh, it's so, so difficult. I mean, really keen on Harry Gregg for obvious reasons, Stephanie and Bailey because they were my childhood heroes. But mm. I don't know. I love statistics. But I think smichael probably had the, the biggest impact at United where, when they were in search of that title, almost like Eric Cantona. So I'm going to go smichael at one, and then I'm going to go Van der Sar, who I just thought was a Rolls-Royce of a goalkeeper mm. at two. And then at three, I'm going to go David De Gea because he's, he's just given such excellent service and he does it week in, week out. So so that's my top three.
2: Pete, we'll come to you next. How do you rank your your top three there? Um, I'm going number three, van der Sar. Number two, Schmeichel. And I'm going to punt for number one, Stepney, for all the reasons mm. I said in my little speech.
0: Terrific stuff. And how about yourself, Roy? Last but not least, the man who's seen it all, I think, when it comes to United. <laughs>
1: Well, well, in order, order. I, I think uh, van der Sar is an absolute perfect goalkeeper. Schmeichel would be two and Alex Stepney would be three. I, I just have to point out the interesting one is that my hero, Ray Wood, actually won two league titles. So if you went on league titles, van der Sar, uh, sorry, Schmeichel, van der Sar have won league titles and uh, Ray Wood won two. Uh, but my three would be van der Sar, Schmeichel and Alex Stepney. The three European cup winners.
0: Terrific stuff. Terrific stuff. Well, I think there you have it. I think, I think there seems to be a consensus. um, I suppose in no particular order, depending on, it's tough to pick who the greatest keeper of all time would be, but I guess for the purposes of this podcast with Roy and Pete taking Alex Stepney, he would rank um, amongst the the masses here as the top keeper. Certainly Schmeichel looks like maybe takes the, the second position and, Vandersaar, sort of Vandersaar De Gea to to make up number three. But again, so many great keepers. You, you can rank them. I mean, interestingly enough, I think we've all gone for certainly European coveners outside outside of De Gea, but I mean you can certainly make a, a a case for De Gea as well. So hmm. tremendous stuff. Who's your all-time greatest keeper, though? Well, that's the thing. I mean, everyone's gonna have their own personal views towards it. You know, whether it was a hero that you had, like like Roy with Ray Wood, whether it's Alex Stepney for Pete. Um, of course, Roger touched on, you know, Stephanie and Gary Bailey growing up seeing them. And for me, of course, Schmeichel and Vanersar. I guess it maybe depends on the era, but so many to choose from. Let us know who your greatest keeper is, though. Let us know on Twitter. You can get a hold of us um, at Warwick Roadwalk for the main account. Um, There's a link there in the description on our accounts to watch all of our past episodes. Gents, this has been another tremendous episode. Thank you all again for for taking the walk down the Warwick Road with us. And uh, we will see you back here next month on episode 15.